Ladies and gentlemen, guys and gals, non-binary pals, and the technical rainbow in between, this is Modular Media Wrestling Podcast. I am your host, Chris Boingo, Ryder Gazin, and with me, as always, is my tag team partner. Bellback Humanator, reminding you to not eat within 45 minutes of working out, because you will feel bloated and awful, and you're going to think you're going to throw up multiple times. But you won't, but it'll be a terrible experience. And yes, this did happen to me earlier today, and I'm still kicking myself over it. So please, don't be an idiot like me. Do not snack when you're grocery shopping if you have to go work out right after. And never doubt the door opening, because (laughs) we all know what... It's been about 24 hours now. We all know what we're going to have to talk about. We'll we'll get to it. We'll get to it, but like... Tony Khan be like... Tanahashi, you magnificent bastard! I read your book. Dear God, it, it's it's mind blowing. It's amazing. It's wonderful, and it is. I don't want to say we're getting close to the end of the pandemic era of wrestling, but this feels like the beginning of the end of that. You know what I mean? Restrictions are starting to be loosened. Restrictions are starting to be loosened, but this just feels like. This is the flag in the ground to show we are where wrestling is going to go from here on out. Uh-huh. And goddamn, is it a black flag with a gun on it? But before we can get to that, we have some other things we do need to talk about. Specifically, uh-huh. AEW uh, had their own version of the Slammies. They uh, revealed yeah. an. Except fans were actually able to vote on it. It wasn't just them going, this is what it is. How much do, How much do you think that's actually a work and how much is it a shoot? I trust AEW enough to say that they treat it like the Nickelodeon Choice Awards. They were like, here's the things we would all like to win. You get to pick what actually wins. Yeah. Because, uh, because the first one is best moment on the mic, which is equivalent to best promo of the year. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. There was a lot of good ones, and I'm I'm okay with the one that won because it was. I was handing I'm the mic not. off to you. It it was Cody Rhodes accepts dog collar match. I am not okay with this winning because 2020 was a banger years for Cody promos, and they nominated the worst fucking one, and it won somehow. Here's the thing, though. I'm okay with it winning, because who's the other part of that promo? That's true. That's fair. But also, he wasn't in that segment. No, but it's kind of like the the spirit of it, you know? Mm-hmm. Who he was talking to. He wasn't just talking yeah. to the audience. He was talking to Mr. Brody Lee. Uh, the big one is... Uh, the next one is Biggest Surprises, which is Sting's AEW debut. Very uh, obvious winner. Yeah, a week ago, yeah. Now, <laughs> yeah, but that w- that wouldn't have been nominated. Oh yeah, no. It'll be it'll be nominated next year. Is what I mean. Oh yeah. Um, and also, uh, again, not a big fan of this winning because when we went over to nominees, I said like we all kind of knew Sting was coming. It had been teased. There had been discussion. There had been rumors. I really wanted Brody Lee being the exalted one to be the thing that won here because that 
Like, I don't know how... I don't remember how much the rest of the wrestling world felt this way, but, like, I was caught completely off guard by that because I was just... I was flat out like, it's gonna be Matt Hardy. It's gonna be Matt Hardy. It's gonna be Matt Hardy. And then it's Brody Lee, and I'm like, oh, this is even more interesting. Okay. Oh, yeah. Let's go. Uh, Especially considering what happened with Mr. Brody Lee. And, and not necessarily. Know what I wouldn't mind next year? The Brody Lee Award. What? Like m- most genuinely nice human. It's like you are a wrestler who does good for your community. Oh. It's their equivalent of the Warrior Award, except, except it's to... honoring a good person. Yeah. But like, uh, it could be like, oh, uh, uh, Nyla Rose and trans activism, or. Uh, Sunny Kiss and uh, LGBT uh, QA activism, uh, Joy Janelle and helping his local community. It, 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 just a general, hey, these are the people who are good, and we want to give an award and basically uh, uh, shout out some of these big charitable things that our wrestlers are doing. If Sami Zayn was in there, he in AEW, he'd win every year, essentially. Oh yeah. Um, because- Oh boy, would would Sammy be, go to like a whole other level if he could be unshackled in AEW? Ooh, ooh. imagine Sammy versus Eddie Kingston. Yes. Oh, that'd be so much good. Oh. Just the promo work back and forth. That'd be great. Uh, I legitimately would love for Sammy Zayn to be TNT champion just because every week he would come out and cut the same promo about, I don't even fucking want this thing. It's a symbol of a giant corporate mechanism. I'm throwing it in a trash can now. They took it out of the trash can and handed it back to me backstage. I can't get rid of this. And then, like, so, some random jobber heel comes out and goes, if you don't want it, can I have it? Sure, fine. A week later, he's being chewed out by, like, Tony Khan or somebody. It has to be transferred in a match. You can't just give somebody the belt. Fine, can I have the match? Yeah. And he fucking does the finger poke of doom. Yeah. <laughs> and then next week, you can't just forfeit the match. Next time, it's no holds barred. And if, like, you can't. You can't just do that. You have to fight. God damn it. <laughs> uh, but we uh, had the breakout female star, which, no surprise, Hikaru Shida. Yeah. Um, I honestly was pulling for Anna J, but I think Hikaru definitely deserves it. I think comparison to where they started and where they ended up, Anna J could fit, but, like, honestly, Anna J is still lower mid-card. In terms of, like, major impact and the overall storytelling of AEW. Uh-huh. Well, Hikaru Shida is main event in the women's division. Yeah. Uh, biggest beatdown. The inner circle jumps Orange Cassidy. Uh, you skipped Breakout Male Star. Oh, yeah, no. Breakout Male No, we did. We talked about Darby Allen, and you said you wanted it to be Brody Lee. No. No, I was talking about the surprise. Biggest surprise. Do you want it? Yeah, 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 whatever. Darby Allen. Fine. Obvious. Obvious winner. It's fine. Yeah, it's fine. Okay, Inner Circle jumps for Cassidy. With comments. Yeah. <laughs> I I keep forgetting what this segment was even like. We're so far removed from it now. Yeah. I just remember Jacket Onward. That's about it. Yeah. That's, uh, that's, uh, that's kind of where my mind remembers the beginning of the feud. Yeah. 
It was um, a good feud. It's not saying I'm not saying like. Oh yeah. Uh, sorry. Go. I, I was just gonna say like, I think that feud was definitely good. It was what wrestling needed at the time. It was what Orange Cassidy as a wrestler needed at the time. There was a lot of good ideas in there. It's overstated. It's welcome just a smidge in the middle, but it had it had enough good moments. I I agree. It overstayed. I agreed it over, say, in the middle, but by the end, it did pick itself back up. Yeah. Um, best High Flyer, Ray Phoenix. Obvious. That's who we wanted to win, and he won. Yeah. Uh, hardest moment to ch- uh, clean up after a parking lot brawl. Sure. Yes. Yes. Because you, you gotta get those fucking cars out of there, dude. Yeah. Uh, biggest what the fuck moment. Uh, Kenny Omega wins AEW World Championship and walks out of AEW... Yeah, I mean... Obvious winner. Mm-hmm. At the time, yeah. Now it's... Mm, again, next year. Yeah. The Lowell Award? It's the best they funny moment. They just called it the Lowell Award, which is so weird. You should have just said best funny moments. Yeah, Lowell Award. It's Fuck it, whatever. Uh, Young Bucks kick MJF into the pool. Yeah, that was pretty good. Iconic. Yeah. I, I want that to be in the Dynamite intro at some point. That's go- Whenever they start making documentaries about the history of AEW, that is going mm-hmm. to be one of the major moments that they showcase of just the, 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 the flavor of this is the environment we wanted to build where, yes, we're wrestling, but we're having fun with each other kind of thing. Uh, best Twitter follow, uh, Nyla Rose. Yeah, she's pretty good Twitter. I've never looked at her Twitter. I've never seen one she's of her sassy. tweets shared. It's, it's, it's... Okay. Yeah, she's good. Was MJF nominated? Because I feel like he should have. I don't remember. Uh, Bleacher Report pay-per-view moment of the year. In this year of COVID, Stadium Stampede. Obviously. It was the thing we needed. It is probably like the crown jewel of the uh, of the pandemic era. Mm-hmm. The only other things I could say in terms of wrestling in general uh, would be like Firefly Funhouse, maybe as like a crown jewel yeah. of the pandemic era, and uh, Bucks FTR maybe as a match. Yeah. But yeah, overall, it it's fine. Yeah, good choices. I mean, they're choices we all collectively made. If you buy into that, which I do, it's um, a work shoot. They they, but like you said, they go like, here's the five items that were okay, and we can work with whatever which one you pick. Pick one. Uh huh. Yeah. It's good to them. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Do you watch BTE this week? No. Tell me about it. Okay. I'll- uh, so BT opened on some more hilarious Good Brothers and Young Bucks green screen stuff where there's like a, a repeating clip of a deer in the background and Luke Gallows is going like, I'm going to fuck that buck, I'm going to fuck that buck, I'm going to fuck that buck. God and then it. Matt Jackson is like, what? You're going to what? And, and he's like, no, not you, that buck. And he's like, oh, okay, yeah, as long as it's, it's not me, bestiality, yeah, whatever. And then and then he's like, so uh, 
we're the EVPs here, and, like, it's totally cool that you guys are here, you're friends, what, what, I mean, it's weird how you showed up, but it's, it's cool, but could you, like, you stop doing weird shit on live TV, and they're like, what do you mean? You, you swung your belt around like it was your dom, and then we had to cut out of the match a scene where we tried to do a triple DDT, and then... You gyrated into someone's head and pretended like you were smoking weed and tried to pass the joint to me. And they cut to that footage. Here's the thing. They knew that was going to be pre-recorded and edited late uh, for uh-huh. airing later. Guarantee you, they did that on purpose so they could go like, yeah, no, they're kind of fucking over AEW in a lot of weird ways. They're just being yeah. assholes, you know? Uh, and then, and then they're like, oh, yeah, 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 sure, sure, we'll try and, we'll try and clean it up a little bit, it's totally not our brand at all, but yeah, whatever, uh, let's all, yeah, oh, the portrayal is real, Tama, ha, 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 and then Nick Jackson looks right at the camera and goes, yeah, it is real, we're not working with them, stop asking about it, ha, ha, God damn it, that's the whole call over. How much you want to bet, how much do you want to bet? That he was off screen, off camera, just going like, mm, <laughs> because oh my uh, god, that is like that is such a blatant. That is Chris Jericho lying. No, we're not doing. No, we're not doing that. Cro- cross my fingers. Level of like, yeah, no, we're not of trying to obfuscate. Yeah, but, like, there's also a part of me that goes, well, that was recorded, like, two Wednesdays ago. I wonder if the deal wasn't finalized until, like, a couple days ago. And at that point, they were like, yeah, we need to clear the air. Apparently, though, uh, I watched the uh, Russell Talk podcasty version of it, uh, review thing. Uh-huh. And they were talking about Meltzer, saying, like, the band... I listened to Meltzer. Oh, yeah. No. I don't have an account for it, so you could probably, like, more clearly... Well, do you want me to? We can do it more when we get to Dynamite, so... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, So tell me about the fact that they're doing some more shippy stuff on BTE now, apparently. Yeah, so I guess somebody pointed out that the trope of girl being aggressive towards guy means she likes him. A.K.A. Sundere. Yeah, it's a dark order. Um, and so we got a very brief segment where just Anna Jay and Tay Conte are walking down an aisle um, in backstage. And Stu Grayson is just sitting on top of a table and he's like, oh, hey, what's up, Anna? And she's like, shut the fuck up and pushes him over. And he like falls off a balcony practically. Uh, and Tay's like, Anna, what? Do you like him? No, shut the fuck up. Keep walking. And that's the whole clip. Mm. So, either they're seeding something or just acknowledging some comments they've got. Yeah. Either way, they're, uh-huh. they're got, uh, they have an idea for it. Yeah. Uh, but then we get uh, a fun little segment where Brandon Cutler, who lost to Luchasaurus on Dark a little while ago, he comes up and he and he's like, 
hey luchasaurus i'm sorry i called you a fossil that's that's not okay i hope we can still be friends you totally beat me fair and square and i accept it and he's like yeah yeah but you know i think just to be on the safe side we ought to do some some sensitivity training and i, I have a master's degree in history i ought to give you a bit of a history lesson on my people and whatnot so why don't you come with me come on this little ride and then i i had no idea about this there's like some kind of drive through Jurassic Park attraction in the parking lot the Daily's place right now. So they start going through that and there's all these hilarious segments of of, of Luchasaurus like mime because there's music playing over it. Luchasaurus miming like and this is my uncle Jefferson. And, and Brandon Cutler being like, oh, oh, oh. It's it was so really this guy. Fun. So this guy. Yeah. Uh then we got the uh, the much hyped Dark Order Slumber Party, uh, which which was really funny. Um, just like everyone's wearing different types of pajamas. Uh, Cole Cabana blanked on his name for a second there. He's wearing like the old man button up pajamas and a sleeping cap. Uh, and then like Evil Uno uh, is wearing a ones a onesie like a teddy onesie. Um, and John Silver's just got pajama pants. Oh, no, he's wearing this, like, giant shirt. There's someone else who's wearing pajama pants. He's wearing, like, this giant shirt with, like, a raggedy, tired-looking cat. And it says, positively exhausted. And it's, like, bright pink. Like a grandma shirt. Yeah. Uh, and they all, like, they make, like, a big pillow fort in the bar that's the Dark Order layer, And they go inside that. And they're like, hey, well, what do we do now? And he's like, we could tell scary. Uh, Cole Cabana is like, we could tell scary stories. All right, you start. And so he he starts telling about how, like, he's made bad investments in the stock market in the past. <laughs> and they're all, like, terrified, except for Anna, who's just sitting in the background, like, uh, and then finally she gets up to get something to drink. And then as soon as she gets outside of the fort, Hangman is there holding a bottle of whiskey like, uh, I didn't think anyone was going to come out. I just wanted my whiskey. And she's like, how fucking dare you come back? You broke all of their hearts, and we need to be able to move on and heal. So you take your whiskey, and you get the fuck out, and you never come back. He's like, okay, sorry. And then pan over to five. Who, who was outside of the fort because they all, like, excluded him purposefully. Comedy, nobody likes five bit. Um, and he's like, Anna, did you really just stand up for everybody like that? And she's like, if you fucking tell anybody, you're dead. And she goes back and forth. And that was the whole slumber party. Thing. Goddamn. Big sister Anna Jay is fucking great. Yeah, especially because she's one of the youngest members of the group. Yeah, but she holds the. She can just. She does it well. Yeah. Uh, um. Then we get a segment with Matt Hardy talking to private party about uh, basically revealing that he he didn't care if Brandon Cutler won the match or not. He 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 kind of thought he would lose. He wasn't trying to get him to be impressive enough to get signed with the Matt Hardy brand. So he hyped them all up for the Luchasaurus match and then bet against him. And so he raked in a bunch of money, haha, big money, Matt. And 
Now, private party, my disciples, my students, you can do that too. You need to go get in the good brothers' heads. You need to fuck with them because you're going to be challenging them in a few weeks. And they're like, okay, let's get the ring bell. And they go into a room where the good brothers are sleeping. And they put the ring bell right in Luke Gallows' face and ring it. And he starts doing the Festus gimmick. And he's like, wait, 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 what, what, what the fuck? Am I doing Festus? And every time they say Festus, they, they say... Festus with a PH because Vince might still own the name. <laughs> God damn. That's a fucking yeah. Luke Gallows. That's a good brother's joke right there. Yeah. Um, and, and Luke Gallows is like, did you just make me do Festus? Did you just make me do my old shitty gimmick? Don't make me do my old shitty gimmick. That, that hurts, guys. And then Carl Anderson comes in and starts trying to defend him. Like, like did you make him be Festus? How dare you make him be Festus? If he's Festus, then I'm Jesse, and I don't want to fucking be Jesse. Get the fuck out of here! He's hilarious, man. Um, um, and then we got Sammy Guevara challenging John Silver for the BTE Championship in that sort of football training area that's next to Daly's place, where it was basically whoever can kick the most, whoever can kick two out of three field goals first, um, wins. And wow, did those guys suck at kicking field goals? It took them quite a while. Sammy apparently didn't even know how to kick field goals until they started filming. He had to be taught. Uh, and yet, he won. Sammy Guevara is your new BTE champion. And he literally goes on this massive promo with Fuego del Sol about, like, yeah, I'm going to saw this thing in half again. It's going over to my channel. You want this belt back? You got to come to my channel and defend. He's trying to ape the Kenny Omega thing. And it was fucking hilarious. Perfect. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was BTE. That was BTE. Hmm. Ah. I think my so big problem with, like, getting it is, like, Go ahead. watching BTE is that they like to take their time with their skits. And I just go, like, get get to the, get to the punchline. Get to the punchline. Yeah. I get impatient. It's, it's, res- it's wrestling skits without the whole, it's live TV, so we have to go as fast as we can. Fact. Yeah. I don't blame them for taking their time to do it. It's just... <laughs> Sometimes I watch them at, like, 1.5 speed. <laughs> uh... Don't worry, it's a horse you'll eventually get back on. Eventually. I'm sure. Yay. Yeah. But, speaking of another horse, Impact. Impact was damn good this week. Uh, Tell me about it. (laughs) Uh, So we got another ad uh, with the Tonys plugging AEW stuff. Tony Khan doing another kind of different take, where he's no longer gloating, He's, like, being a little emotional, and he's like, I know I was kind of mean last week, and I said that this is all just a game to me, but, you know, uh, it's, you guys put me in a weird place, and I'm making I'm making all kinds of crazy decisions now. You don't know what's going to happen week to week with me. You don't know what's going to happen on Impact. You don't know what's going to happen on AEW. I'm, I'm making all kinds of crazy decisions because you impact people have made me so emotional i'm letting john moxley go over to japan now i never would have done that before in a pandemic and who knows what i'm gonna do next i'm i may uh i may go to sleep Mm -hmm. also uh tony shivani was wearing a hat that made it look like a shark was biting his head and 
sunglasses with little sharks biting the edges of the frames. It was beautiful. Yep. But it seems like uh, something happened with your boys. Yes. Uh, so, uh, as I've talked about, Brian Myers is doing this slow, inevitable heel turn. He's pretty much full heel now, uh, to the point where this week he come he comes out and he starts talking about how he him and Impact has had sort of a similar path to Eddie Edwards and how he understands why Eddie would want to challenge him now because he's kind of turned to the dark side a little bit just like Eddie did but unfortunately he can't fight him at hard to kill and he's and he starts to take out a note from his pocket and he goes because of this and then Eddie comes out and he's like are you fucking serious are you a grown ass man with a doctor's note but before he can do it before he even gets to Myers Myers powders out of the ring and Hernandez comes in and starts beating the shit out of Eddie Edwards and he's like uh yeah you didn't let me finish I'm not your opponent for Hard to Kill because he is. This is my hired gun, Hernandez, and he gonna fuck you up because you fucked with me. And nobody fucks with Brian Myers, little bitch. And then Matt Cardona comes out and beats up Hernandez. And literally, Myers is on the outside of the ring going like, Why are you here? Why are you here? Go back to the podcast. Go back to the podcast. Why are you here? And he runs away. Goddamn, that's fucking great. It's it's hilarious. Do they keep uh, kayfabe in the podcast? I think they sort of like jokingly do. Like occasionally they'll bring up their most recent uh, wrestling appearance, and they'll they'll say something about it. Like I I haven't I haven't listened to a full episode in a while, but I think like just after Matt debuted in that episode of the podcast, he said he said something about like oh yeah I'm liking it at Impact. It's kind of weird how you acted towards me there, Brian. And then he's like, oh, well, it's work. It's a different it's a different environment. It's a different environment. We're here to talk about toys. Let's talk about toys. On topic. Yeah. yeah that kind of a thing. Um, and then there was a killer main event with a uh, tag match of Rich Swan uh, and uh, Chris Bay. Or no, I'm sorry, Rich Swan and Tommy Dreamer versus Chris Bay and Moose. And there was just some killer combinations in there. A lot of great teasing for feuds that is going on. And it ended with Moose pinning Rich Swan, uh, which sets up some very interesting possibilities for the Impact title. Especially considering Kenny Omega is still floating around in the background. But Moose was promised a title shot before him. And Moose, again... Is walking is walking around with the TNA World Championship. What if Kenny Omega goes for both the TNA and the Impact triple triple threat? I, I mean, see it, yeah. he can now go for the IWGP. He has the AAA. He has the AEW. Go for the TNA. Go for the Impact. Go for the NWA. Go for the DDT. ROH. Right now, it seems like the only ones who aren't working together is ROH and WWE. Yeah. Oh, man. How long is that going to I mean, I expect WWE to hold out forever. I did post those tweets in your server, but, like, I think those guys... We're getting way ahead of ourselves again, but I think those guys are just going to let their contracts join out, run out if they want to join in. I, I can see 
AJ sticking around just because he's he's at the point in time as a wrestler that I don't want to say necessarily getting close to retirement, but he's thinking about it. He's going like, I want a solid, steady, reliable paycheck. Mm-hmm. He needs to get as much cheddar for his kids as he can. Yeah. Um, while someone like Matt Hardy has already been through that, and now he wants some creative freedom. Yeah. That kind of thing. Uh, I, I, But I can definitely see like maybe some of the others... Especially considering that uh, Adam Cole's uh, fiance have they? I think they're. I think they're waiting until after the pandemic. To get I, I'm. I'm not saying like getting like just have they has Adam Cole proposed or has Britt Baker proposed? I don't know. I thought they were engaged, but I have no idea. Uh, their sure. partner, uh, Adam yeah. Cole's partner, is Doctor Britt Baker, who is in AEW, and a lot of his friends are in AEW. So like, um, Finn Balor. The resurrection of Adam Cole. Uh, Finn Balor's also Fucking... like. Go ahead. Sorry. I can see Finn Balor maybe sticking around, especially because like, he's back under Papa H's umbrella, and Papa H loves him some Finn Balor. That's true. But he also loves him some Adam Cole. But like now, I can't stop picturing just like a. A, a black lantern ring on fucking fishing wire coming down and going into the ground and then just Adam Cole will return on dynamite. Do it on BTE though. Yeah, that's the BTE yeah, segment yeah. at Monday and then everybody's like where's Adam Cole going to be? Where's Adam Cole going to be? Just tuning into dynamite waiting for it. Man. And then he comes out as Britt Baker's manager. <laughs> <laughs> fucking perfect. Um, here's a thought. If Triple H sees complete control of WWE as a wrestling product, would he play ball? We know Vince won't. Ooh. Vince won't. We can, we, yeah. Vince has hell to will freeze over that. before Vince McMahon opens the door on WWE. But Triple H... Because Triple H is probably the I only don't... Triple H is probably the only person who loves WCW more than Cody Rhodes. Mm-hmm. And WCW is known for having that open relationship. I don't think it's impossible, but I also don't think it's highly possible. Thought main roster closed door. It's WWE segmented product. NXT. Just NXT. Do the final Nitro thing of, like, having segments happening on both shows at the same time. But you know what I'm saying? Like, NXT, with, like, all the people there working with a... In a way, WWE wrestlers get to wrestle in other promotions and do other things and promote the brand and do all that kind of stuff. But also, on WWE's mindset, it puts WW it puts the main roster of WWE on a higher pedestal figuratively. Uh-huh. Not functionally. Functionally everyone else combined is like better than W it's like more important than WWE because it's a more wide universe of content. 
but to WWE and to people and the and the pencil pushers and the stock and all that kind of stuff. You go like, oh yeah, no, the developmental brand's the one that uh, crosses over with all the others. The main roster never crosses over. Yeah, I could see maybe that happening. Potentially, definitely, maybe. But man, there's also a bunch of like other indie promotions that you can go like, oh yeah, no, they could definitely just be like tiny tangential things that could do stuff like Rev Pro. I mean, I've got some local local indie guys that I kind of semi follow now, and I would lose my mind if they showed up on Dynamite or something. Show or up even on Dark. Dark. That'd be amazing. Yeah. Um, just to shout out one team. Uh, Friendly Fire. If that tag team ever showed up in AEW, I would be in seventh heaven. They are very cool guys. But uh, before we could get into Dynamite, we have uh, some blatant consumerism Fine. that we need to talk about. Uh, so first off, uh, on the Major Pod channel this week, uh, Matt Cardona uploaded a video of him unboxing EC Fury's two videos, which was a thinly veiled excuse for them to set up a feud between him and EC Fury in a very, in I'm guessing Impact. I'm guessing they haven't actually done anything with it on Impact TV yet, but it was basically he's unboxing he's unboxing the two figures EC3 got during his whole WWE run, and he's going like. You know, I don't understand why EC3 is so salty. Why why he's always, like, being like, ooh, control your narrative and whatnot. Dude, you were in WWE for a cup of coffee, and you got two killer figures. Look at these things, man. Uh, and meanwhile, it's cutting back to EC3 just going like, Matthew, you're buying into consumerism. You have no soul. Your soul is plastic. <laughs> Coming from the rich asshole. Yeah, it's it's great. Perfect. Um... But then, uh, literally, uh, maybe 12 hours after we went off the air last week, we had the latest uh, AEW Unrivaled Collection ringside exclusive reveal, and that is the leaked TNT champion Cody Rhodes, uh, which um, is Cody in the uh, silver and purple tights he wore on Double or Nothing. He's got the appropriate weight belt. Comes with the TNT championship, the original red strap, silver plates uh and he comes with a bever a bevy is the word i was trying to say a bevy of other accessories he's got a couple alternate hands and he's got three different heads you can swap out um this thing looks gorgeous both in the package setup because the package is like almost perfectly for a toy replicating his entrance but then also um this looks like if you're doing figure photography this would be a great evergreen Cody to just have as like your go-to Cody if you're going to take pictures of a moment Cody had in the ring. Um, I I instantly pre-ordered one. It looks fantastic, like a great upgrade from the original, and uh, I'm very much looking forward to when it comes, which I believe will be in April. That's good. Um, then we got a whole bunch of updates on Wednesday from Jeremy Padauer, uh, basically responding to some of the criticism uh, that Jazzwares has been getting in the last couple weeks, as well as uh, trying to catch up a little with the leak of Series 5. He revealed the 3D renders for the sculpts in Series 5. So we got a good look at everyone. Let me just 
pull those up again real quick. Um, so Moxley, uh, it's going to be just mostly a straight reissue of the original Moxley with a few fixes here and there. He'll probably be a more appropriate scale because the original Moxley was a bit big. Um, and there's also going to be a new Chase variant, which will be him with the eye patch. Um, there's a new Hangman Adam Page, which is slightly updated gear, and he comes with a pitcher of beer and a whiskey glass. So basically tag team era Hangman. Yeah, to go with the tag team era Kenny from the last wave. Yep. Uh, um, did, did you notice if in the 3D render the, the feet were uh, fixed? I I would assume so, because they, they're doing a second run of that original Hangman, and I think they said the feet would be fixed on that. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't expect them to fix the feet on that and then not have it be fixed on this. Yeah, I mean, I'll um, just, yeah. yeah. Uh, then we get Jungle Boy, who looks pretty good i wish they'd gotten the tassels on the side of his trunks uh that that's not in this render maybe it's gonna be like a fabric thing that wouldn't be on the 3d render but just for now it doesn't look like it's there uh and also uh the expression seems just a little bit off from the sort of curious face he does which is what they're trying to replicate it looks like um luchasaurus who Looks just tremendous. Looks exactly how I want Luchasaurus to look. Uh, I, I, I talked about this back with Sammy Guevara. I'm not the biggest fan of open mouths on my action figures. But for Luchasaurus, I kind of feel like it works because it's supposed to be a big lumbering animal gimmick. So I can get behind that. My, my only concern with this guy is he has to be in scale. Big dino boy and there's nothing in this render to indicate that whether he is or isn't so it's just like give me give me some physical size comparisons please because i need him to be like a head and a half taller than everybody else and he also needs to be able to carry jungle boy mm -hmm. um and then we also got uh i i forgot to post them in your server but we also did get uh the renders for frankie kazarian and scorpio sky and they look spot on they look just fantastic uh especially scorpio sky who's got like his render kind of cocky face i'm i'm very excited about that definitely going to be getting those two because they that i like them and they come with the tag belts you got to get your tag belts for your fake fed yeah. Yeah. um but then we got a whole ton of updates from Jeremy just addressing various issues and things like that. Uh, the main thing is that uh, with a lot of people have been complaining about some of their picks, saying like putting in big guys over and over again and it feels bloated. There's a difficulty you want to meet with that evergreen sort of aesthetic for the line, so you're always selling those big names. But you also do want to get in some of the younger people, and that's part of why they're doing the unmatched subline. And they're going to be swapping out waves, and there's going to be new stuff every month uh, by the end of the year. Um, because that way they're going to hopefully be able to hit a better balance of main eventers, mid-carders, jobbers. They want, to, they want to have a few of each segment of that in each wave of both lines. And hopefully they can get to that with unmatched. Uh they did also straight up come out and say, uh, in sort of the same fashion Tony Khan did with the actual 
physical roster a few months ago that like yeah not been a lot of female figures we're sorry about that we the we we're a toy company we gotta go for what sells and the women weren't getting a huge spotlight but you guys say you want women figures okay we're gonna give you women figures you will see them soon enough um and uh he also said do not invoke her name uh just to play into that whole gimmick that's going on uh and then he he pointed out for people like they're trying to react as fast as they can and unmatched is going to speed this up a little bit but it still takes nine months to take a figure from concept to the shelves with all the different approvals and steps that go into that process so they're reacting as fast as they can and they're trying to keep up with what the fans want um and as a last little thing uh we got two tidbits number one their current goal is to have unrivaled series 100 come out in february of 2029 and we will be we will start seeing referees announcers and managers in the line very soon which i'm excited about give me aubrey give me rick give me bryce give me excalibur give me tony um oh yeah well it's all good stuff so <laughs> but mm. before we do that i've actually drinking a good portion of a polar pop and a half a cup of tea. Do you, would you like to take a quick piss break and then come back? Sir, Samar, sir. All right, we'll be right back. Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. I got Oh, paper. bitch. All right, you pick. Who goes first? All right. Uh, I will take the initiative this week because it usually ends up being you. Uh, we open with the tag team number one contenders battle royal featuring Jurassic Express, Dark Order, that being both Stu, Gr Stu Grayson, Evil Uno, John Silver, and Alex Reynolds, uh, because FTR was suspended after they cut off Luchasaurus's horns and their replacements were Silver and Reynolds. Uh, I'm pretty sure that was a that was a work. I don't think anyone got COVID, especially considering what we got later on in the show. Yeah, no, it, um, it was a work, especially yeah. with especially with how like FTR loves to play by the rules, and so the rules got mm -hmm. thrown in their face, kind of like ah, yeah. Uh, but then the rest of the match consisted of Top Flight, Private Party, Jericho, and MJF, Sammy Hager, Santana, and Ortiz, the Acclaimed, and the Young Bucks. AEW is the fucking best at battle royals, dude. Oh yeah, they they were able to like. Here's the thing: they were able to get all the spots, and it felt slightly choreographed, but it never felt genuinely choreographed. You know what I mean? Yeah, all these good little moments popping off here and there. Plenty, of, plenty of great highlights. All the classic tropes. There was a lot of apron fights, but I was fine with that. Um, a, a really great subversion of the trope. I feel like they were kind of poking fun at that comment JR made a few weeks ago, where one of private one of the private party guys he goes up and he tries to do a big splash right away, and he just gets nothing as everybody like steps out of the way, and they're like, "The fuck, dude!" And they just keep fighting. That was yeah. great. Um, just good stuff. Good uh, stuff all good, around. Good stuff all around. All that stuff. Uh... Every, there's a lot of good teams had a lot of cool moments. Uh, I'm trying to remember some specific ones. Silver just ran wild for a while. Yeah. 
He got a couple of eliminations, which is cool. I like that one member of Top Flight. I can't remember uh, which one. Um, sticked around towards the end. He got that Darius. Jericho rub. Yeah. Like, showing, like, no, um, he can hang. Darius was one of the final three. It was uh, him, Sammy, and Jericho, and... Jericho tried to eliminate him, accidentally eliminated Sammy, probably accidentally, it's the whole thing. Uh, and then he actually eliminated Darius, and Jericho ended up winning the whole thing. And uh, now him and MJF will be facing the Young Bucks at Revolution. Oh yeah, it's going to be fun, it's going to be interesting. Uh, then we got a Jade Cargill package, just showing off from which Muscles. Was, which was literally just boner fuel. Yeah, um, but... Since that was so short, I'll take the next one. Yeah. So, uh, Tony Schiavone introduces uh, the Darby Sting segment where FTW, uh, FTW comes in and interrupts, like, every week. Mm-hmm. It, I won't say I'm as down as it is some other people. I'm not a fan of it. They have the Paul Heyman problem. They have, like, three good promos... And they keep switching them out, and then they'll do one style for three weeks, and then they'll switch it out and do another style for three weeks. And they're stuck in that holding pattern until they can have their match. And let me let me just let me just check real quick. Oh, four more weeks, a whole month left of this feud. So just get used to it, folks. Yeah. Though next week there will be a match, so that's a thing. Yep. Um. It's fine. It, it isn't the worst thing in the world, but it's not. It, it, there, I don't want to say there's necessarily better things you can do be doing with them, but like, you don't have to have them on every week. Yeah, this is definitely I w- I would say one of the weaker of these these segments, um, just because like it it felt. In this segment especially, where it's like they're supposed to be hyping up the next TNT title match of it being Darby Allen versus Joey Janela, um, and we even get like a, a video from Joey Janela later, um, and it's more so just Team Taz coming in and saying, we're going to fuck with you during that match, and Sting saying, I'll fuck you guys up if you try to fuck with him during that match, and it's it feels like obligatory standard wrestling stuff, you know? Yeah. Again, not the worst thing in the world, but it's not the the best. Mm-hmm. It's boilerplate, is what it is. Yeah, it's holding pattern. Mm-hmm. But hey, Janela um, going for a TNT uh, championship next week. That's gonna be fun. Oh yeah. Uh, we also then went to Doctor Britt Baker DMD with Rebel Not Reba versus. Thunder! Uh, ah, I almost got it. I almost got it. Right there. Thunder Rosa. Rosa. Um, so this match made me realize something, and that's that I don't like Britt Baker as a wrestler. Mm. I think Britt Baker is a great character. I don't think she's an interesting wrestler. She is the... She is the weirdly, she has the same problem for me that I have with Adam Cole. Which is that 90% of the time, Adam Cole bores me to tears in the ring. But when he's doing, like, video packages or promos or stuff, I'm like, oh, fuck yeah, this guy's a really interesting kind of complex heel. And he was great in BTE. 
And Britt Baker's great on her talk show on Dark. She's done some excellent promos. I, I think the uh, the cinematic match she had a few months back was pretty good. But every match is kind of kind of the same with her, of just general heel chicanery, some standard wrestling stuff, and eventually we get to the lockjaw. Um, Rosa tried to spice it up as much as she could, but she could only do so much, it felt like. She's a solid B wrestler. Mm-hmm. But she can promo as an A. Yeah. Um, um, one thing I do appreciate about this match is the crowd, uh, uh, not the crowd, the uh, AEW planted crowd around the ring, uh, basically giving a test run of some uh, chants that we can do later uh, when we, crowds are starting to come back. Yeah, they, they brought their A game this week. They were pretty creative. Yeah, yeah with the Thunderstruck one. Just mm-hmm. like, hey, here's here's some chants you can do once we have crowds again. Here's an idea. Yeah. I mean, they have a crowd, but it's not a crowd. It's a small smattering of people. Yeah. Um, um, the match ends, though, when uh, Rebel gets in the ring and removes a turnbuckle pad while uh, the other free people are distracted, and then she gets out of the ring, and... Uh, Thunder Rosa gets tricked into hitting her head dead on the turnbuckle and passes out. And so uh, Britt pu- puts her in the lockjaw, and instantly the ref's like, "Oh, she's not. She's not even awake. She she fucking passed out from that shit. We're calling this match now." And Thunder Rosa ends up leaving the match, uh, sort of kind of in a daze, not even really realizing what's going on. Um. I will say Thunder Rosa sold that really well because there was a brief moment where just after they called the match and Britt had gotten off her and the refs started checking on her and Dr. Samson got in the ring, I was like, what the fuck? Did she shoot get her too? Mm. Um, But no, I'm pretty sure this was just an angle. Yeah. But solid. Yeah, it was a solid... Overall, it was a solid match. It was just in this I picked up on finally why Britt Baker doesn't fully click with me, and it's that she doesn't have the best ring acumen. I'm not saying she's bad. I'm saying she is. she's not at a level that makes me go like, oh, yeah, I fucking love her. She's AEW Women's Division version of The Miz. Wow. That's correct. Yeah. But, um, speaking of people who aren't The Miz, uh, <laughs> backstage we have an interview with, uh, Matt Hardy and Adam Cole. Adam Cole took Matt Hardy up on his offer to get dressed. Adam Cole? Adam, fuck off. Hangman Adam Page. <laughs> Adam Page took up the offer from Matt That's Hardy. That's a dead person, sir. He took the offer to get dressed in, uh, Matt Hardy's room. Uh, under the pretense of no strings attached. Um, but Matt Hardy kind of egged him on into uh, doing one match, uh, tagging with him against Chaos Project because, hey, they fucked up Negative uh, One's birthday party. Don't you want to Don't you want to get at them for that? Like, it's kind of fucking shitty. Kind of showing that, like, like, Hangman would love to join the Dark Order, but he's not emotionally ready to join the Dark Order right now. Mm-hmm. And also, like, great play into, like, how Matt will just 
use anything he can to get an advantage it, when he's doing the big money gimmick. Like that's that's how that heel thing works. It's anything for a buck because a I kayfabe he doesn't give a shit about Brody Lee Jr. and B. Brody Lee Jr. freaking said it wasn't actually his birthday. They were laying a trap for Chaos Project. And Matt Hardy's going like, oh, they fucked up the kid's birthday. That's that's messed up. We gotta get back at them. Yep. Uh, but it, it works uh, for the match because uh, they have a match. It was solid. They got yeah, in some spots. Cool. It was to prolong Adam Page doing his stuff. It was to get Big Money Matt over a little bit more. Chaos Project got a dynamite payday. We found out Hangman is not very good at the stock market. <laughs> I think a lot of people realize they're not good at the stock market this week. <laughs> yeah. Uh, especially people who own Robinhood because they're going to they're going to uh, have to speak in front of Congress. Oh. Wait, seriously? I didn't hear about that. I knew they were getting sued by users, but I didn't know they were going to Congress. That's crazy. Yeah, they have, uh, the CEO, I think, has to speak in front of Congress because they restricted the buying and selling of uh, GameStop uh, stock, and that's kind of a no-go. Hmm. There's, there's I don't think there's necessarily a specific law against it, but it's kind of... It's... It's manipulative practice, practice, especially when you consider that one of the major funding for Robinhood was one of the hedge funds who was short-selling uh, GameStop stock. Oof. Yeah. There's a reason why they're already in process of making a movie about this whole situation. <laughs> uh... Yep, yep, yep. But how did the match end, Boingo? Uh, basically, Hangman does his thing, gets the, the the lariat, lays him out, and then Matt Hardy tags himself in and gets the pin because, of course. Well, I think this is the second time this has happened to Hangman in in recent years, and like he's just got the best. What the? Uh, all right, all right, whatever. <laughs> reaction. And this it's is so like the good. third time Matt Hardy's done it. It's great. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then, oh, then, we got the promo announcing the contenders for the Women's World Title Eliminator Tournament. And my friend, you fucking called it. I literally said out loud when Shivani said that there's going to be a Japanese side and there will be matches taking place in Japan. I was like, holy shit, Chris called it. Um, but there is full on a Japanese side of the tournament and an American side of the tournament. And here we found out the full list of contenders for both sides. Let's do the American so, side first because we know all these wrestlers. We know who all these people are. Good call. Good call there. So we've got Serena Deeb, Riho, who... I guess, is in the process of immigrating? Yeah, she um, she started doing that recently. Okay. Uh, doc, Dr. Burt Baker, DMD, Tay Conte, uh, Conti, Thunder Rosa, Nyla Rose, Anna Jay, <sighs> yes. and Layla 
Hirsch. Ooh, that's going to be so good. That's going to be so goddamn good. Layla Hirsch. Uh, if I could make one suggestion, just one, swap someone, literally anyone, I don't care who, out for Big Swole. Where is Big Swole? I need my Big Swole. I don't know. I'm fine with the people they chose. Now, oh, no, they're all great. They're all, even though I literally just dunked on one a little earlier, but they're all they're all good enough to be in this tournament. It's just I was hoping for Big Swole somewhere. Yeah, but uh, um, and replacement of Big Swole, might I bring up the Japanese Joshi's? Because God damn it, there's at least one person in here we gotta fucking talk about. Oh, they're all exciting because it's a bunch of Joshi's we haven't seen since before the pandemic, and a bunch of brand brand new to us, us AEW fans who don't watch Joshi stuff regularly bunch of brand new faces so go aja kong all right immediately fuck yeah yuka sakazaki fucking joshi mom's back i'm excited venny who uh i told back she's actually the first transgender wrestler from japan very very cool very cool and she seems like she has a really interesting gimmick because I did all the names I didn't recognize, I immediately went and Googled and did like a cursory glance of like their gimmick and their background. And uh, Venny seems cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Emi uh, Sakura? Hey! Uh, you're not the most exciting return, but good to see you nonetheless. Oh, uh, she's gonna she's gonna do some hard hitting shit. It's gonna be fun. Ryu uh, Mizunami. She really looks cool. cool look. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, May Segura. Seems like a total sweetheart. I hope she gets some cool stuff to do. Uh, Rin uh, Karakura. That one's mine. Yeah, your, wa- your waifu. Your new Joshi waifu. Mm-hmm. I just, I saw her and I just knew. And then I went and looked her up and I was like, oh yes, yes. this Mine, mine. This one's mine. You all can't have this one. It's mine. My waifu, Donut Steel. Uh, and then, the cutest wrestler of all time, the fallen idol, Maki Ito. God damn it. Who, I was, le- I was like, okay, she seems neat, whatever. And then I saw people hyping her up. And I went in the dynamite tag. And I saw all these images of her flipping off the camera. And then I saw her tweet replying to the announcement just saying in all caps, hello, motherfuckers. <laughs> and I was like, I'm on board with this. Let's go. Do, uh, do you know, I may have told you some of the history of Maki Ito, and I know I posted I've that. I've never like, heard of her. Okay. Um, Brief history of Maki. Um, she was an idol, like full-on she, Japanese pop idol, who, okay. in order to promote her idol group, started wrestling part-time to kind of like... Hmm. Oh, I do, you you know, go on variety shows. She did wrestling. Yeah. So, she went so far to come out to the Idol song. She, try, and she like, uh, eventually got to the point where she was selling tickets to an Idol event outside the promotion. Like, she, she was going hard Ooh. at it. Uh, and she was fired 
from the idol group. Wow. Like, just completely let go. Uh, and she was like, you know what? Fuck it. Went wrestling full time. Good for her. And her character was basically a, a, a person who is in constant need of validation, but she's also kind of an asshole. Hmm. Like, she lost so all she's the... Like, she's like the spoiled brat, rich little girl kind of archetype. Yeah, but she's also kind of a delinquent. She'd make faces at the refs when they aren't looking. She'd flip people off. Like, that's how she got noticed in the wrestling world, is she was an idol... She was one of the idols in an idol lumberjack match. Hmm. Which DDT does a couple times, apparently. Yeah. And she just flipped off the wrestlers all the time, and it was just like, oh, she's fucking hilarious. But it, it eventually got to the point where she started tagging with a person who was in a stable of two, her and her, uh, her and the tag team partner, which was uh, the Maki Ito Appreciation Society, <laughs> or something like that. Excellent. And literally, her main taunt when she's wrestling is going... I am the cutest. And yeah, like you might you might win me over. I might have to fight <laughs> you over this woman. <laughs> hey. Best part about this, she's still kind of idolish in her wrestling persona. So she calls a lot of her fans simps. <laughs> yes. She literally just goes like, "What's up my simps?" Does she speak English, or is she saying English words during Japanese promos? She doesn't speak English, but she's slowly learning all of the naughty she's English the words. Best. She's the best! She's just learning she naughty English best. words. I need to watch every match she's ever been in now. Literally, she has a series of tweets that just goes, I learned a new English word. Fuck! I learned a new English word. Bastard. And it just swears. <laughs> That's why she said, so what's she, up, motherfuckers? So she's like 14-year-old boys when they go on vacation and meet 14-year-old boys from other countries. It's hilarious. She's great. But also, again, she's like, she's the, oh, I'm a cute idol, wah, kind of thing. But she also, her main attack is her fucking head. She headbutts everybody. Excellent. Because she has a hard head. I like, how, I like how you have all these reasons to like Maki Ito. And I'm just like, Rin Katakura is like girl Kurt Angle. And also she's really pretty. So yeah, I like her. Uh, Maki Ito. Um, also, interesting tidbit. Uh, Hikaru Shida announced on Twitter today that she's flown back to Japan to personally preside over the Japanese side of the tournament. I think she's having a bigger hand in, uh, in just the um, booking of the women's division in general. Yeah. I think she might actually be, like, kind of women's division mama at the moment. Which, I, you know what? Fine. The, the women's division mm -hmm. has really picked up lately. And she seems like the most talented member of the women's roster, multi-talented member of the women's roster, I meant to say, because she does so much stuff. I mean, she books uh, her own promotion in Japan. And she's able to 
Like, one are you thing stupid? I really come to admire about her recently as just like a businesswoman kind of wrestler type thing, she's really good at like manipulating her male fans who simp for her without being skeezy about it. Like, she just recently started doing on her YouTube channel a series of diaries that's just, I'm going to record a short, short vlog whenever I take a bath, just whatever's on my mind, I'll talk to the camera for five minutes. Not even remotely showing anything. But she knows what she's doing, obviously. Yes, yeah, Maki Ito would do that, but also accidentally do a nip slip and censor it, and it's just like, ah! She's that yeah. kind of character. I'm not saying she really would. Like, you can literally, like, I'm pretty sure you can go on her website and buy, like, I think they may be sold out, but you could buy, like, gravure pictures of her. Nothing hmm. nudie, but just, like, Oh, it's she's in a sexy China dress. Okay. If she was an American wrestler, she'd have an OnlyFans that she constantly pimped out. Yeah, that she's that kind of vibe, but like idolish and like that Japanese like that Japanese like oh you got to be chased performer kind of thing. But she's mm. she's dirty. She's saucy. It's hilarious. Nice. Like I have a uh, feeling she so, either she's either going to go to the semifinals because people love her, or she is going to fail in the first and she is going to be back in AEW in some way. Uh-huh. Uh I hope they get some dark matches. I hope I hope we get to see these Joshis more than just once on Dynamite. Oh god. They're gonna like AEW fans are gonna force some of these people to just be around more often. I mean, you know there's people who are already calling for Venny versus Nyla Rose. I um, wouldn't want that to be, like... I Sure, I would like to see that match one day, but, like, I don't want to see that match just because, oh, these are both trans women wrestlers. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I'm... Like, I'm would, not I, particularly interested in it, honestly, but I'm just saying there's people out there who are probably going like, yo, you need to do this because thing. Yeah, I much would prefer, like, a promo segment where they just go like, you know what, we've been through similar shit, respect. Yeah. And then build a match um, one day in the future. Definitely, definitely. Uh, so, do I have the next thing or do you? Uh, I say you did that, and we. I just wanted to say the Japanese names. So I'll talk okay. about... Uh, so we're backstage with the Inner Circle, because, hey, Chris Jericho won. So him and MJF are now the uh, tag team number one contenders. They go to the Inner Circle area. They go like, hey, we gotta celebrate! And Sammy's going like, no, no, we don't. Uh, I'm pissed at you. Fuck off. You fucked me over. This is kind of bullshit. And he runs off. And Chris Jericho chases out him. And was like, he's genuinely a little concerned. And uh, while that's going on, MJF looks at the camera and goes like, Hey, uh, skedaddle, Wardlow, uh, take care of them. And he goes to the rest of the inner circle and goes like, Guys, we need to talk. It's beginning. It's beginning to look a lot like betrayal. <laughs> uh... Why is my name on this list? Oh, God. Oh, God. Right. Jesus. What it's do you think? It, do, do you think it's going to be MJF going like, Sammy's looking a little tired, don't you think? Or do you think it's Chris Jericho's looking a little tired, don't you think? It's going to be Jericho's looking a little tired, don't you think? 
And I think... Should we explain that reference? Gonna have, no, 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 no. We don't. We're either going to have Lesex, God versus, Lesex Gods versus the entire Inner Circle, or the Inner Circle is going to literally split in two. Inner Circle Red. Inner Circle Wolfpack. Yeah. <laughs> That's so dumb. Fucking, I'm just picturing MJF go like, we're wolves. We're lone wolves. Wardle is just in the background. God damn it. God damn it. Uh, but then we got the long-awaited wedding of Kip Sabian and Penelope Ford with the best man Miro and Charles Taylor. As wrestling weddings go, I would say this is one of the better ones, honestly. Because it was an uh, actual wedding, they it didn't get interrupted in the wedding. They were like, no, 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 do the full wedding, and then we'll do the fun stuff. Because I, I think this was actually the their... I think this was actually their wedding. Really? I've, I've heard I've heard rumblings on the internet that this was actually like... That's amazing if they did that. That's very amazing commitment to the bit. Yeah. And I applaud them for it. Um, but like... Uh, I, I love that Miro got the meta moment of just being like, yeah, no, I've done this before. We're not even going to even ask for interruptions. Uh fucking Vicky Guerrero and Jerry Lynn being confirmed as the AEW parents was really cute. Um, and uh, I I lost it. Even though it's incredibly juvenile humor, I lost it at all the little jokes in Kip's vows. Uh, the one moment I really appreciate is just Mira going like, hey, we didn't get to do that bachelor party. I'm sorry. The world turned to shit. Just an acknowledgement like, yeah, we had to drop the angle. We not much we, we can do. Dude, did we watch the same segment? Because I remember Miro or someone on commentary, I don't remember which, but somebody said, like, yeah, the Bachelor Party was amazing. You guys should have seen it. It was a fucking rager. No, no, no. I don't no, he's I don't think he said that. We'll have to go back. Yeah. I could have sworn that was said at one point, but whatever. Um, and then the wedding is inevitably ruined when, uh, Chuck tricks Miro into getting handcuffed to a ring pose. And while he does that, he pushes Kip into Penelope, who goes into the cake. And then when they're trying to get up and scuffle with Chuck, Orange Cassidy pops out of the cake and there's a big group beat down. Yep. No Trent returns, surprisingly. I remember back when Trent's injury was announced, I was like, oh, he's going to come back during the wedding because that's like right around... His expected return date was right around the time of the wedding. So I guess that's been pushed back a little bit. Yeah. Um, get well soon, Trent. We miss you. Uh, but uh, yeah, it was a pretty solid wedding segment. Obviously, it's not going to top Macho Man and Miss Elizabeth. Nothing will ever top that. But it was in that upper echelon. I put it... I say it goes like Macho Man and Miss Elizabeth... Triple H and Steph, and then this. Yeah, it was fine. It was it was solid. Yeah. Also, uh, what is love? That moment was fucking perfect. Uh, I did, that caught me so off guard, and I love that he just went like, "Yeah, I love that song." What is love? Baby, don't hurt me no more. Yeah, that was great. Um, but on to a different segment. We had a quiet story. We had a we had a clip of Shaq on his NBA show, 
uh, basically going like, yeah, no, I'm going to beat Cody's ass. And all of his, all of his, uh, people are going like, yeah, okay, cool. We're, we're doing a TNT cross promotion thing. Yeah. Shaq's going to kick Cody's ass. And then he goes on to do what Shaq calls a black tornado, but is a back elbow juice effect kind of thing. Just kind of going like, yeah, no, Shaq can probably, Shaq can probably hang. What are you doing? I'm beating my head against my desk. This, this was a fine segment. This segment was terrible. Was Shaq fine. had no charisma as a promo guy, and he's sucking all the charisma out of Cody's character systematically. And now this segment's not even happening on a pay-per-view. I mean, I get why. Because you want the TNT cross-promotion. But, like, it was in this that I kind of realized this whole thing is a waste of time purely in service of brand synergy. And because of it, Cody's probably not even going to get a match at Revolution. And I have, and then I also realized I have to sit through four more weeks of it, at least. It's fine. Your specific kind of charisma. You don't get a video game, a rap album, and a movie with no charisma. I said he had no charisma as a wrestling promo guy. It's <laughs> fine. You've heard worse promos. That's true, but, like, I can't remember the last time I was straight up bored by a promo. Uh, I say it's fine. You say it's shit. Or bad. Or whatever. I don't want to put words in your mouth. Uh, I mean, like, you know, I've been very apologetic about this whole program up till now. But this was just kind of, like, the thing that broke me. And I was like, alright, I'm fucking done with this. Get it over already. And I know they're not going to, which frustrates me even more. Like, if the match was next week, I'd be like, all right, whatever, we're almost done. I, I almost don't even want to acknowledge Cody's existence until after this match, now that I know it's going to take so long. Uh, well, why don't we go on to something a little bit better? Yeah, we got uh, Eddie Kingston versus the Murderhawk Monster Lance Archer in a Lumberjack match. Which was an S. I could not keep track of what was happening at any point during this match. I mean, it's not a kinda... bad thing. It's very on brand. But Jesus. Oh, no. But it, it works. It works to what it was trying to do. And I thought it was good. Mm -hmm. Jake the Snake hit a, hit a move for the first time in how many years? Good for him. I love... I love how you could see at after the move was done and they were both lying on the floor, you just saw Jake the Snake going like, eh, eh, I'm okay. I am old <laughs> man, but I am safe. Yeah. Uh, but this was fun. It was uh, it was exactly what you kind of need. All good guy wins in this feud bit for Eddie Kingston and Lance Archer. Mm -hmm. And it makes Lance Archer look Archer. really strong for what's going to be happening next week. Yeah. Ah. Uh. Uh, Bear Country was also fun in this as Lumberjacks. I want to see more of them. Oh yeah, they came, they came out of nowhere. I hadn't seen them on Dark, so I was like, oh, these guys are cool. Yeah, I also find it funny that they uh, that they're called Bear Country, and they and they and they're kind of like bears. I'm not talking like the Thanks. animal. I'm talking about like the gay subculture. Bear. I know. Yeah, I think that might be the joke. Yeah. 
I'm just... You might have found the show, Boingo. Hey! I gotta find some eventually. Other than my face. My face is funny looking. That's that's what I was getting at. So FTR uh, committed a crime. They did. They're uh, they're they're like they were heels before, but now they're super heels. They kidnapped Marco Stunt. Mm-hmm. And the whole time he's flailing and yelling in the background during this promo. They don't reveal him till the last second. I did ask had to pause the video because I was like, what is that fucking sound? What is going on? Oh, it's part of the promo? Okay, weird. What's going to happen? Oh, it's Marco. Obviously it was Marco. Oh, okay. Oh, shit, Marco. He's kidnapped. The FTR committed a crime. They are criminals. Tony Khan fired him. Here's the question. How would, what is the rules for this in AEW now? Tony's gonna have to get involved on some level. Like, I, I'm i just trying to figure out what's gonna happen. It was a fine FTR promo. It's just like, okay, that, whoa. That raises the stakes some, a uh, little bit. Yeah. Uh, and then we got a promo from Joey Janela where he basically went like, hey, people who don't know, Darby Allen and I have a history. We fought on the indies before, but this next match... It's going to be kind of a big deal for the two of us because we're going to be fighting over a big TV title. So, I'm Joey Janela. I'm from New Jersey. I have a weird face. Look at me on Twitter reacting to my girlfriend getting married on national television. Ex-girlfriend. Ex-girlfriend. Sorry, I misspoke. Yeah. That's why I corrected you. so uh, but it says how mature all of them are that they can work together after... Uh-huh. Uh, after. Yeah, nice. <sighs> but uh, we get some announcements for next week. Uh, specific F versus the Acclaimed. That's going to be... I'm very excited for that. Because if you were paying attention during the opening of this week's Dynamite, when the Acclaimed came out right after the Inner Circle and immediately started rapping, Jericho just has this face like... God damn it, they're fucking rapping. Uh, and, like, instant, yes, let's go. Cody Rhodes and Lee Johnson versus Peter Avalon and Cesar Bonani. Oh boy, my boy, and a bunch of jobbers. It's gonna be fine. I mean, I like Peter, but, like, him and these other two guys are nobodies. And this is probably just in service of Cody getting on the mic after the match and being like, fuck you, Shaq. But also going like, hey, Lee Johnson, he's part of the Nightmare family. Look at him. Is that totally still a thing? It, it's a thing. Cody, I love you, but stop trying to make the Nightmare family as a stable happen. It's clearly not going to happen. No, you Nightmare Family's a brand. Nightmare Family is like being sponsored. That's how you should look at it in AEW. A Nightmare Family is not a faction. It's a brand deal. I like how I always have these little nitpicks and then you come up with the perfect fix for them. Like, yeah, you, you with the brand deal, you get a coach, you get, like, all these perks. But, like, you, you're not affiliate. Yeah. Like, the Gun Club. Gun Club's a faction. 
But they're 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 all like signed to Nightmare Family. They're all sponsored. They wear the gear. So it's like eh, whatever. Like I wouldn't be I wouldn't be surprised in like two to three years, Nightmare Family or Nightmare Something becomes a clothing brand. I mean, there's already plenty of merch for it on Shop. You paused. Uh oh, I'm all alone. Did I freeze? Yeah, you froze, buddy. Oh, shit. Yeah, you froze up there for a moment. You're, you're good oh, now. I was just going to say, there's plenty of stuff on shop.aw, and, like, yeah, it makes sense. It makes sense when you explain it that way. I'm not saying you're wrong to go, like, oh, it's kind of a weak faction, but, like, it didn't doesn't feel like a faction. It just feels like, where put this logo on your thing, and we'll pay you some money. Mm-hmm. I've probably just been watching a bit too much for us to talk this week. Don't worry about it. Yeah. So tell um, me about the finale. <laughs> so we got the main event this week. Been hyped up for a couple weeks now. Kenny with Don Callis versus John Moxley, the Bastard Pack, and Ray Phoenix. I didn't notice how I didn't even try to roll the R that time. Ray Phoenix. Fire. Yeah. This was a good... Bad. Oh. So, oh man oh man and here's the thing like four or five years ago how many good brothers versus moxley and some other tag person in wwe matches do you think there were and this feels fresh this feels brand new it feels like something we've never seen and it's just like, oh my god. They've been allowed to evolve and grow and learn and try different things instead of being stuck in the homogenous WWE match. Like, it, like, literally, half the people in this match... No, four people in this match were t former WWE alumni. And none of them feel like they're WWE wrestlers. That's true. Because Pac. Yeah. But he doesn't feel like a WWE guy. Mm -hmm. He doesn't wrestle the WWE style. I would still say Mox kind of wrestles the WWE style, but that's mo mostly brawler to be safer for a continuous work environment. Yeah. He, he gets to be more brutal here. But he also knows how to rein it in and be really safe. Mm -hmm. He's at like a 7 in WWE. Here he's at like a nine on a on a good day, and when he gets to do a lights out match, he cranks it up to eleven. Oh, speaking of lights out, mm, we're gonna get to there. Uh, yeah. Any any particular moments in this match we should point out before we move on to the fifth? um the dual moon salts to the outside by Pac and Ray Phoenix. Yeah, and Ray Phoenix cutting Luke Gallows down like he's a fucking tree. Oh man, it's just so good. It's all so good. Um, but then the match inevitably ends with Luke Gallows pinning Phoenix after him and Carl Anderson hit a magic killer on him. Uh, and as the match is ending, Lance Archer comes out, starts attacking the Good Brothers because he's fucking done with Eddie. He wants to go beat someone else up now. And oh, look, another big tall boy. I'm going to go beat up that other big tall boy. And then while well, that Mox starts to get up. He sees Ken Kenny is laid out. He's like, oh, I can get some shit in on Kenny here. Okay. And then a man 
with various things strapped to his face, comes out of the crowd. And he slowly peels off those things, and that man has pink hair and a beard. Violet. A glorious Violet beard. hair. It looks pretty panty. But that man is the man known as Kenta. The forbidden door has opened! The for oh my god. Dude. Kenta of New Japan, of New Japan exclusive contract, is in, was in AEW, committing to an angle for New Japan. It's a go to sleep on mops, and they fade out on a shot of Kenta. With a promo package shown later of Kenny Omega, on Twitter, of Kenny Omega going up to Kenta going, oh, hey, Brother Switchblade didn't tell me you would be here. Uh -huh. But welcome to the American Club, brother. And then Kenta's like, dude, shut the fuck up. Fuck the fuck off. I don't want anything to do with you. I was just here to beat up mobs today. And then Kenny's like, okay, Tony Khan, I know you're watching. Book us in a lights out, anything goes, false count anywhere tag match with uh, Mox and Archer. Because I said so. <laughs> but, like, oh my god. This is fascinating. Like, what if they wrap this whole idea up that the Elite left New Japan to basically... For the Bullet Club? But the Bullet Club never really, like, no. Why are you doing that? We're just New Japan. The subcontingent within the Bullet Club. It was like there was the Elite, and then there was the rest of the Bullet Club, and they were doing separate things, and occasionally they would link up. But you, but you know what I mean? It's like the Elite were going like, "No, we're doing this for Bullet Club. We're do this is, this is still part of that stuff." And they're going like, "No, you left us, you dumbasses." Mm -hmm. And it's just like uh -huh. I find that hilarious and great, and that the fact that Kenny Omega goes like, "Yeah, no, we're still a Bullet Club." And here's the thing, they are still all Bullet Club. Because remember, oh, my camera decided to fuck off today. Uh-oh. Uh, Bullet Club is fo 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 life Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, I don't know if you guys can hear Chris right now. He's having camera issues. You can, yeah, no. Like, you can hear me because my mic is a different thing than my camera. Uh, um, but, uh... Yeah, it is super, super fascinating. And as we were um, almost getting into earlier, Meltzer did talk about this on the Wrestling Observer, and he basically said, like, yeah, this has been in the works for a little while now. And it basically, the only reason it didn't happen sooner is because people were being childish. New Japan wanted Tony Khan to come to them. Tony Khan was like, I'm not flying over there in the middle of a fucking pandemic. Um and people were being resistant, but now a certain New Japan exec is endemic, is causing a strain on both sides. And New Japan really doesn't want to cut John Moxley. And Mox can't go over to Japan for matches right now. It's a good thing Kenta lives in Florida. Um, so they're like, yeah, okay, you can have Kenta on your show if we can have Moxley on ours. Um and then, in addition to that, there's probably going to be a working relationship going forward. Suzuki also lives in the States right now, apparently, so he could show up, but no one else, because... Oh, wait, Tonga could. Tonga lives in the States. Um, 
but I think anyone who actually lives in Japan is fully out of the picture at the moment. So even though we all really want it, at the moment there's not going to be Kota Ibushi or Hiroshi Tanahashi. Those guys are those guys are potentially maybe when the pandemic is over, but right now completely out out of the question. Also, no Naito or Okada. Mm-hmm. But the, genuinely, like. I wouldn't say the door is completely open. The door is ajar. Yeah. Like, if this Kenta stuff does well, if if next week's match, just gangbusters, good ratings, everybody talks about it, which everybody's going to be talking about it, this is, it'll make, it'll make New Japan just, like, this is a solid working relationship, we can get things done, let's talk. Let's, let's, like, let's like legitimately get a thing done because with impact it's loosey-goosey it's very much like eh whatever we can work it out as individuals for new japan it feels they like it's they got different filming schedules they have to kind of play fast and loose yeah it's it's fast and loose it's it, but it, like it it works with impact because they're very local it, it's similar it's easy business like you have to have something in ink Mm-hmm. Like you go like okay. And remember, New Japan is the promotion that really on booking. So if you're getting into a thing with them and they say, <coughs> "Okay, we're doing this," they're gonna put some fucking effort into it. Oh yeah, very much. Like New Japan and AEW are like long-term booking legends because we are what three years into the promotion and we're still going through the Hangman story. Heck, we're still. You can trace any everything that's going on with Kenny and the whole Impact and now New Japan thing. You can trace all that. He was given carte blanche with the original Fighter Fest and fucked it up and went insane because of it. That, like, there's so many, like, I want to say all of the feuds and storylines going on in AEW are, like, super long-term. But, like, Hangman, super long-term. I'd say Cody... Cody's whole er- character arc, to an extent, is super long term because it started in WWE. Mm-hmm. Um, but of course, that's very much more meta textual. We you got to know the backstage politics of WWE to get char- Cody's character to an extent. Yeah. I mean, anything with the Dark Order, they've had to zig and zag a whole lot, but like they're still legitimately invested in doing something with the Dark Order. But, like, there's so many things that can be done with New Japan. Like, we talked about Suzuki. Suzuki, like, we didn't even mention. Okay, next week, Kenny Omega and Kenta, Bullet Club, uh, versus John Moxley and Lance Archer, who is a the member. And former IWS. But Lance Archer is also a former member of Suzuki Gun. Call current member too. He... I didn't know that. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is Bullet Club Suzuki Gun. Mm-hmm. To an extent, not fully, but like, if we get Suzuki, Suzuki Moxley, can we finally get Suzuki versus Orange Cassidy? Suzuki and Darby Allen. Suzuki Darby. Suzuki Eddie Kingston. Hmm. But, uh, like, there's so many cool... Like, imagine Ishii versus Darby Allen. Dude. 
Tanahashi versus Cody too. Oh. 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 Man. Give me Japanese John Cena, please. I'm begging you. There's so many cool... There, like, there's so many... I know I brought this up before the podcast, but like... Tanahashi versus Jungle Boy. I have no idea why I want to see that. Feels because so Tanahashi right. would wear Kamen Rider Amazon themed gear to it. Yeah, but it just feels so right. Like I, the New Japan roster fit. Let's be honest, the AEW roster fits seamlessly into the New Japan roster. Yeah, almost because it's a bunch of New Japan guys that made the company. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but like, come on, like it's, mm. and it, it all it's gonna take is just a good few feuds, good few intercompany angles and whatnot. One year's time, we're going to get a super card, AW New Japan Impact Triple A. Battle of the Belts, it's trademark, bro. Like, just imagine the, like, the fucking, like, the the, the face of AAA, Penta, Penta El Saramero, or Ray Phoenix, whichever one would be better, or, or, like, someone like that. And you have the face of goddamn New Japan, Kota Ibushi. The face of AEW. Kenny Omega, or if at the time you don't want any belts in there, Hangman Adam Page versus the face of Impact, Moose. Because name another person that's like Impact is blood. Uh huh. Like Moose is Impact. Same way John Cena is WWE, Tanahashi is New Japan. Yeah. We can get the Golden Lovers back together. Dude, all I want is for a Dynamite to end with Kota coming out after a Kenny match. And the same way Chris Jericho looked at Matt Hardy during that debut segment. Switchblade versus Darby. Switchblade versus Darby. Oh, Gorillas of Destiny versus FTR. Gorillas of Destiny. Gorillas of Destiny versus Young Bucks. Gorillas of Destiny versus Top Flight. Gorillas of Destiny versus Jurassic Express. Oh my god. I can't talk. <laughs> Dude! Like, genuinely, we were excited with Impact because, oh my god, Impact, it's relevant again. We're ever, the territories are coming back. Yeah, let's do it. New, NWA? Fuck yeah, NWA's women's division's amazing. Uh, Thunder Rosa, all these great people. Eddie Kingston, technically, because he was kind of part of Impact, but kind of not. Ricky Starks. Ricky Starks was signed to NWA. His contract expired like two days before the TNT title match he had that got him signed. Yeah, but like, here's the other thing. Um... Name of the guy who owns NWA, Smashing Pumpkins. Billy Corgan. Yes. Billy Corgan was like, yeah, no, we're not going to be able to do shows. Fucking go wrestle. Mm -hmm. Like, 
that being said, where's Nick Aldis? Please, please put Nick Aldis on Dynamite. That'd be oh, that'd be great. I think he, I think he's, I think he's probably going like, yeah, no, what, we're fine where I'm at. But like, oh, could man. you imagine instead of having Kenny feud with each guy individually, battle they in place of All Out this year, they do Battle of the Belts, and the main event is Kenny Omega, Penta El Zero M, Moose. Nick Aldis, Kota Ibushi, winner takes all. Rich one, and that's how you and that's how you get all the belts on Ken. Oh man! Wait, here's the question: Should we bring in indie promotions that are related to AEW? You could. You definitely could. Because there's a lot of them, or like indie promotions that would be like fine with. Their belt being kind of maybe lost in the weeds a little bit, but kind of there. Like, I don't know. They've been bringing up Matt Hardy's in the promotion a little bit. Maybe he's still running it. Maybe he has a belt. Maybe Thunder Rosa hasn't any promotion, but I think it's I think it's women's focus. Matt Cardona isn't actually signed to Impact right now. He could always come back with the internet title. God damn it. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. But goddamn. <sighs> <laughs> that would literally be a finger poke of doom match, Cardona. <laughs> like, I love Matt Cardona, but he'd be like, yeah, you want this internet title? You're not going to get it. You're not going to get it. Fucking lie down. Fucking lie down, bitch. Yes, sir. Will I get more views? All right. <sighs> but like, and here's the thing. I, I wouldn't say we're diehard New Japan uh, uh, watchers. So, like, we're I'm, just going... I am a New Japan guy. So, like, we're just going off of, like, big names we remember. There's probably a ton of mid Young Lions. People we haven't even heard of yet. Young Lions. Imagine all the Young Lions coming to AEW for excursion. Uh-huh. Coming to AEW and Impact and AAA. And Rev Pro because if they work, start working with Rev Pro, that's the European scene on lock. That is the one area they don't have a foot in as far as wrestling. Job. They don't a, have a really good European base yet. Uh, Euro Brit wrestling, like this is like people made fun of uh, Tony Khan a couple weeks, a good like month ago, month or two now. I'm going like tweeting out the landscape of wrestling is changing. And he has proven it time and time again. And, like, it's really, it's become a cliche almost to say AEW is the company that gives the fans what they want. But literally, back the night of the first Dynamite, AEW put out a survey asking just, like, general feedback few specific questions and like here's some spaces where you can write thoughts on specific things we are doing really good and could do better one thing i vividly remember putting in there is like pie in the sky i hope this leads to a revival of the territory system because that's what i think wrestling is so i propose this question and you can answer it in the comment people can answer it in the comments but here's the question do you think we need an official, recognized territory system? 
no, you can go wherever you want. You can do a show wherever you want. But like, this is my brand. This is your brand. Blah blah blah. Kind of division. More like I, I'm. I mean, more like an overseeing. Here's my pitch. He, somebody to keep continuity between promotions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, my camera's. Dang it. Uh, we've also been dropping. We're also dropping about, about like twenty percent of the frames. So the fee's just getting a little little wonky as we go on. But uh, but yeah, it's like a person from each federation, each promotion, going like, "Hey, this is this general story that we have going on here. These are the general stories you have going on there." Where do these kind of mix, and where can like what can we do? And I wouldn't want it to be all the time. Spider Man needs to be in his own book compared to Thor, but like yeah. in the an event of a major crossover, you need to kind of know where everybody's at. And it's fun to have little moments where characters pop up here and there where appropriate. I've always said one of my favorite moments in the entire MCU is the opening of Thor Ragnarok where they just go see Doctor Strange. Because that's the most the co the movies have ever felt like the comics to me. Yep. Just like, oh, we have a magic problem, let's go talk to Doctor Strange for five minutes. Yep. But we're near the end of the podcast, so why don't you tell the people where who you are, where they can find you, and all that good stuff. Hi, everyone. I'm the Vacuuminator, but I am on... I am a YouTuber, but I am on hiatus right now, is what I was trying to say. Uh, you can view my back catalog at youtube.com slash thevacuuminator. That is spelled T-H-E-V-A-C-U-U-M-I-N-A-T-O-R. Uh, the hiatus is currently indefinite just due to a bunch of personal stuff I've got to work out. Uh, and also, I want to devote myself to this thing a smidge more. Um, but I will eventually get back to doing videos, eventually. Um, you can also keep up with me on social media. I'm on Twitter, at thevacuuminator, and on Instagram, at the underscore vacuuminator i've been getting back in the figure photography a lot in the last week uh so go check that out for that i feel like i've really stepped my game up with just the purchase of one specific little thing and then after realizing that i stepped my game up so much i might have purchased five more specific big things that are coming and uh hey really cool fun fact I got through the entire show this week without bringing up the Royal Rumble. Shit. Edge won, by the way. Uh, so they did. Uh, I can't remember who. The Bianca Belair. Bianca Belair won the women's. Uh, hi, I'm Chris Boingo Rider Gaston. You can find me on YouTube, Boingo Rider. Just search that. Uh, link is probably also in the description. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Boingo Rider. Uh, Boingo underscore Rider. You can follow me on Instagram at boingo underscore writer. You can join my Discord server. A link to that is in the description. We talk about wrestling. We talk about all kinds of stuff. Uh, and yeah, this was Modern Media Wrestling Podcast. We hope you enjoy. Remember to like, subscribe, comment if you want. Uh, just keep up to date. Uh, you watch the podcast to keep up to date. Till next week. <laughs>